In the previous episode, I share my thoughts on uncertainty and my top five tips for dealing with it. If you're looking for some ideas to bring some more certainty into your life, go check it out. Are you feeling stuck in your career and life? I'm Chris, and in 2018, I was sick of my job, I quit, and I decided to go traveling around Asia. I wanted to do my own thing. After trying lots of different business ideas and making a lot of mistakes along the way, I finally found a new path and qualified as a coach. This podcast is me documenting my journey as a coach on a mission to help you find a career that matters to you. And going beyond your career, you'll get all the tools you need to smash your personal projects too. Are you ready to close the gap on where you want to be? Let's go! Hi guys, welcome to the podcast today. In today's episode, we are joined by Paul Green. Paul is a commercial airline pilot and entrepreneur. In March 2020, Paul lost his dream job when the airline he worked for went into administration. However, Paul was able to quickly turn things around. Paul now helps business owners using his experience from the commercial cockpit. Hi Paul, welcome to the podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to hear your story because I came across your article on BBC News website and yeah, I thought it'd be great to chat to you. So yeah, if you could please tell our listeners about your backstory, how you took your interest in flying from a young age and yeah, turned it into your dream job. So I always wanted to be a pilot, you know, every time we went on holiday, we were the generation that were allowed to go into the cockpit and, and see things that were going on in flight. And it's just amazing, you know, just everything about it was just the dream. Through school, I was told I, my maths and physics wasn't good enough. So I was told from quite an early age not to pursue it. And it was a career I'd never be able to do. And financially, it never would have really worked out for me. So I pursued a different direction. Initially, I went into London and I did electrics in the entertainment industry. So a lot of theatre and, and events. And then work was kind of starting to dry up a little bit. And I just saw an advert one day that EasyJet were doing recruitment for pilots. And it was going to, the idea was that they would take you all the way through the training. They would partly fund it and they'd give you a job at the end. But the assessment included a sim ride going in the simulator and flying a jet. So you kind of think, oh, what have I got to lose by doing it? You know, you get a free hour in a simulator to, to kind of mess around. Mm. And I'd always had this seed of doubt in my head, you know, could I have done it? Could I have made a go of it? So I went off to do the EasyJet thing unfortunately I didn't get it but I did get a call from the school afterwards and said it wasn't that I didn't meet their criteria it was that they had far more applicants than they should have had and as a result everybody who met the criteria has been offered a place at the school in general so it's a bit of a crazy time really went home and had a long long conversation with my wife about you know what do we do next you know this this dream job that I'd been told for the last 10 years I'm never going to be able to do somebody's now handed it to me on a silver plate and so yeah, we went out, got the finances together, remortgaged the house, managed to get myself on the course within about a month. <laughs> and then yeah, that, that was it. Did my training for two years. It was a bit up and down at times, the training. It's, you know... Up and down. <laughs> yeah. I know you know a few pilots, they'll tell you the same. You know, the, the theory side of it is phenomenal. Trying to have six months of just classroom studying is, is mad. And then... I finished my training around the time the Brexit vote happened. So most of the airlines in the UK stopped recruiting while they tried to figure out what's going on. So I didn't get a job straight away. I went off to work for British Airways at London City, uh, working as a dispatcher on the ground there, which was brilliant to see another side of the industry, learn a bit more on the kind of management side of, of how the industry worked. And then got my first job. So I got a job with BMI Regional, initially based in Munich. So we moved out to Munich as a family. My son was three weeks old when we moved out to Germany, which is 
pretty insane in itself taking a, a tiny baby out there but it was brilliant to just get out there and, and do it and, and being based in Munich was amazing you know it's one of the biggest airports in Europe just walking through the terminal every day you know in uniform there was something Leonardo DiCaprio about it um, you know that that's the thing you see as a kid you know that's the thing when you look up to pilots that's the image that's in your head so to actually do it for the first time was yeah it was a bit surreal really almost like a an out-of-body experience but then to be you know taxiing around the airport and to be out there with you know KLM Lufthansa BA and thinking yeah this is this is it it's like I'm I'm doing it we were out there for six months and then moved back to the UK was given Bristol as a base which was the place we always wanted to live so it just kind of felt like everything was fitting into place had the dream job we bought our ha- bought a house it was you know working amazingly well the day we signed the contract for our new house was the day I got an email to say that I'd lost my job oh, no. <laughs> um, and the company had gone into administration and we just signed this contract and we're now committing to buy this house so that was pretty pretty tough <laughs> um, a lot of quick thinking trying to work out what we do luckily I managed to get a job with Flybee and I enjoyed it it was great I had some great times flying at Flybee some really good people it was a a good airline to work for but then unfortunately Flybee was the first Covid incident really in the the first Covid casualty in the UK so yeah I woke up on the the 5th of March even remember the date to an email from the the CEO to say the company's going into administration I kind of did a lot of work thinking about like transferable skills, what have I got to offer, what can I do for other businesses. And then we went into lockdown in the UK weeks later. And it just was evident really quickly that there were no jobs out there, as I'm sure a lot of people found. So I had to think on my feet quite quickly. And the only real option at the time was to do something myself. But it was what that is, you know, what what do I have? What skills do I have? What can I offer? And I think having had those conversations about the transferable skills, all the things that pilots can naturally do that I think businesses are maybe not quite so good at doing it just felt like the right fit really to to bring that into the mainstream so you've been told by Flybe that yeah you're going to be made redundant and and this wasn't the first time unfortunately and how did you go about managing your emotions during that time it was really tough and with the UK entering lockdown as well there was kind of so much going on I don't think I really processed it for quite a few weeks. My immediate thing was I need to get a job and I need to start making money. So that was like first and foremost what was on my head. So I got straight onto LinkedIn and was trying to find anything and, and everything that was that was going on. Looked at other flying opportunities, of which there was only one, which was based in Kazakhstan, which I definitely didn't want to be doing. And it was only, I think it's about three weeks later, I was actually really close to burnout because I was just doing everything you know we were homeschooling the children my wife was trying to homeschool her kid like you know deliver work to to the kids that she teaches we're trapped in the house you know can't really go out or minimal going out Um, and I and I was trying to set up my business and I was so so close to burnout it was it was really tough and I was talking to my coaches about it and they said have you grieved for your job yet and it seemed like a really weird kind of proposition at the time you know you think of grieving grieving has been death and you know I was like my career's not dead I just I'm not doing it right now I said yeah but you it's the same sort of feeling you know psychologically it's the same thing you've you've lost something that's really close to you you need to give yourself space to 
to accept it, to say, actually, do you know what? I've lost my job. I feel rubbish that I've lost my job and that's, that's okay. It's okay to feel like that. So I did quite a lot of work with them where we just, yeah, just journaling, just talking about it, just saying, you know, yeah, it's, it is rubbish. It's rubbish that I've lost my job, but it's not the end of the career. I've lost my job, but I haven't lost my career. And now I'm forging something new, which can fill the gap. So yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough. And I, and I think for a lot of people, they don't, they don't do that. You know, it's, we're too quick to try and move on rather than just taking a few minutes to think, yeah, actually, this is rough. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip because you do need to have that time out just to grieve, like you say, to kind of process things and then be in a better position to move forward. Yeah, definitely. What ideas did you consider bringing from your piloting to, to business? So it started with risk management and decision-making were were the two things initially that I thought were really topical at the time. You know, people were making massive redundancies. It seemed like businesses were reacting very, very quickly to the situation without potentially thinking it through. And that's completely understandable. And it just made me think as a pilot, you know, we would never fly without thinking through every possibility. And it's not always possible to consider everything, but we have a saying in aviation that you can never plan for all eventualities, but you can be prepared for them. Mm. And I think that's really key in business that you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. But if you're prepared for the worst case scenario, then it's never going to catch you out. It's always going to, yeah, you're always going to be prepared and, and, and ideally be able to, to think on your feet. So that's where it started. I then was doing some work with the NHS just volunteering just to kind of give myself something to do to get out of the house, you know, when we're in lockdown and just saw how much they were struggling, how much they were suffering with, with the workload, with fatigue. It was unbelievable. And again, it just made me think, you know, in the aviation industry, you just wouldn't get to that position. You'd never be allowed to get to that position, you know, with those lives in your hands. So we turned the business quite quickly into more of a health and social care thing, putting together wellbeing training and taking it into that sector to, to just try and get them to think a bit more about themselves rather than putting patients first and colleagues first to, to think about me. You know, I'm the most important person in this situation. And if I'm burnt out, I can't help anybody else really. Yeah. So it's like realizing you need to do something about it and put yourself first, like you're saying. Yeah. We have a saying in aviation, you probably heard it when you go flying of fit your own oxygen mask before helping others. And for me, that's, that's my philosophy for well-being. You know, if you're on an aeroplane and it suffers a depressurization, depending on the altitude, you have about 30 seconds to fit your own oxygen mask before you're going to pass out. If you fit the oxygen mask of the person sitting next to you, you will almost certainly pass out before you've even managed to reach for your own. So just having that mindset of put it on yourself, then you can help anybody else around you. You, know, you can help hundreds of people. But if you don't take that step to, to put your own oxygen mask on first, you don't have a chance of helping anybody else. I think it's important to put yourself first. And, and that's a really great example of when you definitely need to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going into kind of more well-being space to help people manage fatigue and stress. And what are the next steps for growing your business? So for me, we're working in the NHS at the moment. It's growing really quick, like much, much quicker than I would have ever expected. So we're working with Surrey Heartlands at the moment. We delivered one training course to them. It kind of is a bit of a trial run. But they loved it. They loved what we were doing. They loved the fact that the whole philosophy for me with well-being is that it's, it's through knowledge. It's really easy to say to somebody, you need to have eight hours sleep a night. You need to turn your mobile phone off two hours before you go to bed. 
But as humans, if we're told to do something, we're immediately trying to find the loophole. I know I certainly do. You know, if anybody tells me that I should do something a certain way, but if you give them the knowledge and you say to them, you know, this is why you need so much sleep and this is how to calculate how much sleep you need, which is exactly how it would be for a pilot. You're then accountable to yourself because you have the knowledge. You are the one that then puts the strategy in place that says, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to make sure that I have seven hours sleep every night. Once you're accountable to yourself, you don't find the loopholes in the same way and you're much more likely to do the work that you need to do. So I think they really like that as a new approach. So we've now that we're in Surrey, we've had five other NHS trusts have come to us. And at my last count, it's about 200,000 members of staff that we're potentially going to be training over the next six months. Wow. It's blown up pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's mad. And what skills really helped from your piloting days with setting up your new business? I think the ability to focus my attention was probably the, the biggest thing. There were quite a few people that, that in the early days, you know, they would be talking about sending over a contract or invoices or just booking something in. And I was always on it, you know, really fast to respond because that's how I've been trained. You know, if I'm working for seven hours, then for that seven hours, I'm working and I'm focused for the whole time. So that was a, a massive benefit, really, to just be able to turn things around really quick. So as I was kind of finding my feet and figuring out what I wanted to do, I was able to test things quite quickly using that. And I, I was able to figure out whether things were working or not. You're looking to grow the business and deliver lots of well-being training for the NHS. And what about your plans of going back to your dream job of being a pilot? Yeah, it's a really interesting one, that. And it's, it's, it's something we've been talking about a lot recently. It was in the news last week that Flybe have now been bought by an investor. So it's looking like Flybe will be coming back in the new year. Whether that means there's a job there for me or not, I'm not really sure. But the absolute ideal for me would be to do both of these things at the same time. And I know it's a bit of a cop out, <laughs> but <laughs> the flying for me, I love it. And I wasn't ready to end that. The career was taken away from me. It wasn't me opting to, to step back from it. So I'm definitely not ready to give that up. The lifestyle ultimately isn't the best. I live in Bristol and I used to commute to Exeter. So it's almost an hour and a half in each direction twice a day. So stuff like that's not great. And I love what I'm doing now. I love the fact that it's, you know, I can give back. I can kind of do my own thing with it. You know, I'm in control of my time. I see my family so much more than I ever did. But I am also aware with that, that the value in what I create is that I am a pilot. And I think my business will run its course if I'm no longer a pilot. So for me, the two kind of have to sit hand in hand. But I know I can weather the storm now, which is ultimately, you know, what I needed to do. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I love how you've been able to adapt and make an impact as well. So you won't be uh, delivering the group training whilst you're over the Atlantic somewhere. <laughs> no, no, ideally not. <laughs> but who knows where I'll be? I could be anywhere in the world delivering this training, which was ultimately, yeah. I always set this company up with, the thought that one day I will get back to flying and this will fit in and around. I mean, the ideal would be to fly two weeks a month and to do this for two weeks of a month. I know my schedule in advance. I can book this in. I can have it all lined out in front of me. And like I said, if I can get other people to deliver the training for me, then it's even better. Yeah, amazing. And what's been like the hardest or most difficult thing that you've encountered in setting up your business? For me, it was just not being business-minded, not really understanding how business works you know from day one I I kind of knew I was onto something and that that the idea I had was 
good and that it would it would ultimately work but not really knowing the path to go down you know I kind of thought go on LinkedIn and start to say to people you know I'm a pilot I can teach you this (laughs) and that's gonna ultimately bring people in and you know six weeks later with nothing (laughs) thinking oh yeah maybe that's not the the right approach I think arrogance isn't the right word because I'm not an arrogant person but I think I was I think I was naive to business basically so that was my biggest lesson that to kind of learn the steps learn what you really need to do to to give people value because people don't know you you know and they they don't know who I am they don't know what I can do unless Mm. I start giving them that proof you know telling them this is who I am this is who I am as a person this is my story and this is how I can help you so yeah if I could do it all again I would have launched straight in with that rather than just trying to be really salesy all the time so kind of proving proving your value first yeah absolutely and telling people who you are yeah it's important people need yeah. to know you exist <laughs> yeah exactly and, and how did you develop the business skills to help you go from not being so business minded to being in a position where you yeah you've got your business now so i i reached out to a lot of friends my wife used to work in the business sector in london quite a long time ago so we we talked to quite a lot of her colleagues we were very lucky to kind of have this network to bounce off of but i was also coached myself so i joined a coaching program so two guys called the cockpit coaches they're both former pilots and they set up a coaching business and they've pivoted that business this year to specifically target pilots who have been made redundant and are looking for a new career path so i worked with them and we we had lots of conversations quite early on about that value side of things, just giving people the value so that they know what you're offering rather than just being salesy all the time, which Mm. I think is a a trap a lot of people fall into. I know I certainly see it on LinkedIn regularly getting messages into my inbox of people saying, you know, this would be really good for you, buy this. And you kind of think to yourself, you know, I don't know anything about you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what this product is. But yet I was doing that myself and thinking that was the right way to go. So yeah, I think mentorship is incredibly powerful when you're starting out just to have somebody to point you in the right direction really Mm, someone that's been there and done it and just to show you some tips yeah absolutely cool and you mentioned about giving something back to the nhs and also to piloting if you can get some pilots on as trainers so what else has been the best part about setting up your business for me it's just been almost the, the security just knowing that i can have the financial security to to kind of weather this storm now to know that you know I don't have to worry about the next redundancy I'm completely in control of of my path but for me the family life has been so important regaining that family life has been unbelievable I didn't realize kind of not how bad it had been it will you know we've never really had a bad family life but but just how absent I was mm. um, you know whenever I was flying because it took me an hour and a half to get there, an hour and a half to get back, and I'd be flying a 10-hour day. Sometimes I would leave before the kids get up, and I'd be back you know, after they go to bed, or they'd be at school on my days off. And it, it was really tough. You, know, you have to kind of force the time you do have then to make sure that it's valuable time. And now I'm so much more present. You know, I pick my kids up from school every day. It's something I'm, you know, I really make sure I do, that at 3 o'clock we do the school run. And then I go back to work after that. That's been so valuable for me, just having that time back, really. Yeah, it sounds like it. Having to do a lot of the commuting before even starting the job and then, then doing the long hours as well. Yeah, definitely. That sounds really good. So, yeah, what, what advice do you think you could offer to people that are 
maybe going through redundancy and thinking about starting a business or also just people that are considering starting a side hustle? Yeah, I'd say do it. <laughs> yeah. You never know where it's going to take you until you start doing it. You know, now that I'm in in this and I, I hear from other businesses and you hear about people saying about failing, but it's not failure, you know, you just find ways of not to do it. And that's exactly how I look at the kind of the first few months of what I was doing. I certainly wasn't failing in my approach, but I certainly learned the ways that I shouldn't be doing it. I think everybody has value to give. And once you find that thing, I think you're unstoppable, really. So anybody who wants to do this, do it. Put yourself out there and make a go of it. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I think it's so important just to have that commitment. So yes, I'm going to put everything into doing this. And yeah, and then just going for it and maybe getting the right support as well. And I think accountability is great with that as well. To have somebody to say to them, look, I'm going to do this. Then they will ultimately hold you to account. You know, if you sit there with an idea in your head and think, oh, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't you're probably never going to get anywhere. But if you can go to somebody and say to them, look, I've had this really good idea, I'm going to do it. They're going to hold you to account and make sure that you actually do it. Yeah, accountability is so important just to have a bit of social pressure as well to get things done. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing all your insights and yeah, how you've been able to grow your new business. And I I really hope you can get back to the skies as well and find that balance. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And how can our listeners find out more information about the cockpit method, Paul? So you can find us online, thecockpitmethod.com. That's the business side of it. So that's the bit where we deal with actual businesses. And then for the healthcare side of it, it's thecockpitmethod.com forward slash healthcare. Brilliant. Yeah, I'll add the links into the show notes. Yeah, thanks for your time, Paul. It was really good chatting to you. No, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the You in Five Years podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to the show, hit subscribe. And if you're feeling really generous, leave a five-star review. I read all the reviews and it will massively help to grow the podcast. Keep moving forward, guys. Until next time.